Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new extended study episode titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, we found we had issues with our new website when we loaded it in other web browsers than Firefox. The top of our content was cut off because the page was too high and ran under our menu bar. This is now fixed. We also had a minor scrolling issue on our About page that is fixed in all web browsers except Firefox. We find this odd behavior in Firefox only. We are still working to fix this minor issue in Firefox. We also want you to know that our site is fully secure with encryption. Our site is located on a far more secure European server. We have two full levels of SHA security, among others. So, we are very well secured. Also, be sure you use HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash when you first type in our web address as some web browsers try to load our site unprotected if you do not do this. Be sure you bookmark us with the lead HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash so you do not have to experience any loading errors when loading our site this way also. Sorry for any issues that you may have experienced due to these two problems. May you all be blessed of God. Our last episode was Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 1, posted on March 26th. Last week, we read, For unclean spirits crying with loud shrieks were coming out of many who were possessed, and many paralyzed and lame people were healed. From the Book of Acts, Chapter 8, Verse 7. Here in America, People crying with loud shrieks is unacceptable in many, many churches. Not in all churches, but in quite a lot of churches. It is viewed as very noisy and calamitous and disruptive. Leaders claim that it is extremely distracting. Granted, some people are under the misguided notion that this is simply acceptable behavior and is identified as being, quote, in the Spirit, end quote. There is nothing in our Bibles that supports this form of thinking. Yet, many churches have shut down this type of behavior and deem it totally unacceptable. Correctly, when the unclean spirit is out, the shrieking stops. However, one might be overcome by extreme joy and may well, as we have noted, jump and leap for joy. Some vocal praise to God accompanies that also. After all, 
our Bibles, right here in our study, tell us it happens. Earlier in this study, we also learned from King's Comments Commentary that all the hatred that erupts only accomplishes the will of God because through the scattering that results from this, the gospel goes to many places. This is how God also accomplishes his plans and purposes. Notice that even the results of sinful actions ultimately result in God's work being furthered. This does not say at all that someone, in some strange way, that sin is all right. It is not. Yet, in all of this, God's Holy Spirit still falls on humans and works through them. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 1. This week, our study is titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 2. Our study scripture reads, Now, in that city was a man named Simon, who had been practicing magic and amazing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. All the people, from the least to the greatest, paid close attention to him, saying, This man is the power of God that is called, quote, great, end quote. And they paid close attention to him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they began to be baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after he was baptized, he stayed close to Philip constantly, and when he saw the signs and great miracles that were occurring, he was amazed. From the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. Here we see something different that is not of God. It is called magic, or maybe better said today, a reasonable facsimile of God's power in people by the Holy Spirit. On the outside, it looks real, yet it is not. Let us see why that is. Of this, Simon, it is known that Simon Magus was probably a Jew or a Samaritan who had addicted himself to the arts of magic and who was much celebrated for it. He had studied philosophy in Alexandria in Egypt and then lived in Samaria. After he was cut off from the hope of adding to his other powers the power of working miracles, the fathers say that he fell into many errors and became the founder of the sect of the Simonians. They accused him of affirming that he came down as the father in respect to the Samaritans, the son in respect to the Jews, and the Holy Spirit in respect to the Gentiles. 
he did not acknowledge Christ to be the Son of God, but a rival, and pretended himself to be Christ. He rejected the law of Moses. Many other things are affirmed of him which rest on doubtful authority. He seems to have become an enemy to Christianity, though he was willing then to avail himself of some of its doctrines in order to advance his own interests. From Barnes' New Testament Notes That alone gives us quite a picture of this man named Simon, or Simon Magus, to provide distinction and clarity that he was not like other good men by the name Simon. With that said, and the commentary passage, verse 9 tells us, Now in that city was a man named Simon. He had been practicing magic and amazing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. Some people around the world today do this. It is a bit different now, but even today, such people are doing essentially the same thing as this Simon was, just not the same way sometimes. What happens is a drawing off of people saved and not saved in Christ into something that is scripturally and spiritually incorrect. Notice, the practice of magic or sorcery was common at that time and in all the ancient nations. From Barnes New Testament Notes. To be clear, this is not about what is advertised as a magic show with a magician that does some amazing things. All the things these type of magicians do is sleight of hand. It is a way of getting you to watch one thing while the performer does something else that you cannot see. However, all the tricks performed show magicians simply using sleight of hand or something else that causes you to see what they want you to see, and not what is actually happening. The more inexplicable the how-to of the trick, the more spectacular it is to the onlooker. However, the bottom line here is, this form of magic is nothing more than a form of entertainment. The type of magician that Simon Magus was involved spiritual and religious things, compounding this by saying it was done by God when in fact it was not. This is the type of magician that Simon or Simon Magus was. As you can see, this is not just my thoughts and or my opinions. It is documented in commentary. Notice which before time in the same city used sorcery, who before Philip came thither practiced magic arts, wherefore he is commonly called Simon Magus, for he was a magician who had learned diabolical arts and used enchantments 
and divinations as Balaam and the magicians of Egypt did, and bewitched the people of Samaria, or rather astonished them with the strange feats he performed, which were so unheard of and unaccountable that they were thrown into an ecstasy and rapture and were, as it were, out of themselves through the wonder and admiration at the amazing things that were done by him, giving out that himself was some great one, a divine person, or an extraordinary prophet, and it may be the Messiah, since the Sumerians expected the Messiah, which the Syriac version seems to incline to, which renders the word thus, quote, and he said, I am that great one, end quote, that great person, whom Moses spake of as the seed of the, quote, woman, end quote, under the name Shiloh, and the character of a prophet, from the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. I think now it is very clear this Simon Magus was not a man we commonly refer to in our Bibles who himself was a godly and good man. This Simon was quite the opposite of godly and good. Before Philip came to Samaria, there was a man active who brought the people into ecstasy. He did this through magic. He was also not modest in his performance, but presented himself as, quote, someone great, end quote, someone of importance, from King Comet's Commentary on the Whole Bible. Notice, if it is not quite clear to some of you in your Bibles, Simon Magus was present, quote, before Philip came to Samaria. End quote. This note is important so we fully understand the timeline of events that preceded Philip's arrival in Samaria. Now, notice further, which before time in the same city used sorcery, who before Philip came thither practiced magic arts. He was a magician who had learned diabolical arts and used enchantments and divinations as Balaam and the magicians of Egypt did, and bewitched the people of Samaria, or rather astonished them, with the strange feats he performed, which were so unheard of and unaccountable that they were thrown into an ecstasy and rapture. The Samaritans expected the Messiah. These three comments are very important to note. It shows how today people can still be led astray. The means today are, in some ways, more sophisticated and clever, making such things all the more believable. Today, 
This is compounded by groups with verbal proclamations of how untrue and hateful the Bible is. If you are unsaved, such groups seem all the more correct, even though they are not. This creates a divide between non-believers and believers that, today, is only growing wider with the passing of time. Unfortunately, this is chiefly fueled by people who call themselves Christian. One, supposedly, born again in God. Today, while not only, but many so-called Christians are doing more harm than good in the name of God. Do any of you see the issue here? It should be quite clear how wrong this is for real Christians to act this way. Notice further, verse 10. All the people, from the least to the greatest, paid close attention to him, saying, This man is the power of God that is called, quote, great, end quote. Our cross-reference tells us, But to these who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. From 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. If 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 is correct, how can Simon Magnus or anyone else make the claims and do the works of magic that people believe such a person is God, Jesus? Can you see how even today our Bibles can help us resolve issues? You might think not all issues, but in regard to issues of faith, we have many answers if we will only look for them and ask for help finding them when we need such help. Digging deeper. So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftfully carry out the deceitful schemes. From Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Notice the last part of this verse. By the trickery of people who craftfully carry out their deceitful schemes. Is this not well said of Simon Magus? Granted, this Ephesians verse was not written specifically about Simon Magus, but it speaks well of the trickery of people who craftfully carry out their deceitful schemes. And many will follow their debauched lifestyles because of these false teachers. The way of truth will be slandered. From 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. This speaks of deceived people who are deceived by their Simon Magus of their day. If we are like sheep, like biblical analogies and stories of teaching, then can we, today, not be led astray? Scripture and Jesus' own words 
warn of this very thing. Observe here, one, how long a time this vile sorcerer, by God's permission and Satan's power, wrought these lying wonders among the people. He had of a long time bewitched them with sorcery. Deceivers are not always suddenly detected. The drossy hypocrites are not presently discovered. But the visor will drop off sooner or later. Observe, too, that where the true knowledge of God comes and the clear light of the gospel shines, their gross impieties and impostures, their cheats and delusions will be found out, detested and abhorred. When they believed Philip's preaching, they were baptized, both men and women. Where the light shines, Satan falls as lightning. Magic vanishes. The dragon cannot stand before the ark of God. When the people of Ephesus received the gospel, they soon made a bonfire of their magic books. Observe 3. The success of the gospel preached by Philip, the people believed and were baptized, both men and women. Mark 1. Believed and then baptized. These were adult or grown persons, not infants, and they were heathenish idolaters, strangers to the covenant, and therefore must believe the gospel and profess their faith in Christ before their baptism. Baptism is not to be administered to any that are out of the visible church till they profess their faith in Christ and obedience to Him. Mark 2. The persons baptized were women as well as men. When they believed Philip, they were baptized both men and women. Women under the gospel are capable of the seal of the covenant as well as men. Under the law, they were not. Then they were circumcised in the men. Now they are baptized for themselves. They are baptized both men and women. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. William Burkett was quite emphatic in that last comment. He said that men and women are baptized three times along with supporting comments. He was quite emphatic. We noted, too, that adults are baptized, grown men and women. Notice also that baptism occurred only after it was clearly seen that a person believed in the gospel, professed their faith in Christ before their baptism. At the very least, it implied that baptism is useless for those who will not profess belief in the gospel and profess their faith in Christ first. We should note also 
where the light shines, Satan falls as lightning. Magic vanishes. This dragon cannot stand before the ark of God. We need to be fully aware of this comment found in our commentary passage. Deceivers are not always suddenly detected, and drossy hypocrites are not presently discovered, but the visor will drop off sooner or later. This is why such people, with evil intent for God's true church, enter into godly churches. It is for such a church to decide how such a thing will be biblically corrected. How does one do that? The answer or answers for that are found in our Bibles. If we learn and avail ourselves of this knowledge, we can deal with deceivers, hypocrites, and generally sinful people correctly. Did you know our Bibles tell us to reason with such people? Not once, not twice, but three times before we cast them out of a church. In other words, we give them a chance to leave their evil practices and be saved before they are cast out of any church body. Today, in many American churches, such people are thrown out with no opportunity to repent. Such people wonder why so many hate church. From such a one cast out, it is real easy to see why. Now, notice how this passage closes. But when they believed Philip as he was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they began to be baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed and after he was baptized, he stayed close to Philip constantly, and when he saw the signs and great miracles that were occurring, he was amazed. From the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. Then Simon himself believed also, that is, he believed that Jesus had wrought miracles and was raised from the dead, etc. All this he could believe in entire consistency with his own notions of the power of magic and all that the connections require us to suppose is that he believed this, that Jesus and power of working miracles, etc., and as he proposed to turn this to his own account, he was willing to profess himself to be his follower. It might have injured his popularity. Moreover, if he had taken a stand when so many were professing to become Christians, men often profess religion because, if they do not, they fear they will lose their influence and be left with the ungodly. That Simon was not a real Christian is apparent from the whole narrative, Acts chapter 8, verse 18, and verses 21 through 23. And when he was baptized, 
he was admitted to a profession of religion in the same way as the others. Philip did not pretend to know the heart, and Simon was admitted because he professed his belief. This is all the evidence that ministers can have, and it is no wonder that they, as well as Philip, are often deceived. The reasons which influenced Simon to make the profession of religion seem to have been these. 1. An impression that Christianity was true. He seems to have been convinced of this by the miracles of Philip. 2. The fact that many others were becoming Christians, and he went in with the multitude. This is often the case in revivals of religion. 3. He had no religion, but it was clear, Acts chapter 8, verses 20 through 21, that he was willing to make use of Christianity to advance his own power, influence, and popularity, a thing which multitudes of men of the same mind would Simon Magus have been willing since to do. In closing, we have four very important items to note of Simon or Simon Magus. 1. He believed that Jesus had wrought miracles and was raised from the dead, etc. All this he could believe in entire consistency with his own notions of the power of magic. 2. Simon was not a real Christian is apparent from the whole narrative, found in Acts chapter 8, verse 18, and verses 21 through 23. 3. This is all the evidence that ministers can have. 4. It is no wonder that they, as well as Philip, are often deceived. This has not improved with the passing of time. It may be it has only become worse because of the growing global population. Notice that Simon Magus was able to justify the simultaneous beliefs of evil magic and the contrary belief in Christ's salvation of mankind that Simon appeared as an apparent, sincere believer. We will learn more about this as it unfolds in this chapter. Notice items 3 and 4. This is all the evidence that ministers can have, and it is no wonder that they, as well as Philip, are often deceived. Clearly, Deception is something we really need to guard ourselves against. Even in the American online marketplace, one can be deceived to being killed by a prospectus liar who has evil intent in his or her heart and mind. With that being the case, we need to be cautious and discerning in the things we do. We need to learn well how to hear God's voice. Do you clearly hear God's voice 
if only just when you really need to hear his voice? Next week, we will now learn about the notion of there being a specific order of things. We will look at the Samaritans as we examine our study titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 3. This is an interesting passage. This week we will learn what I alluded to in another message footer. Does the order of being saved in Christ, receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and being baptized in water matter? Also, Scripture tells us, Then Peter and John placed their hands on the Samaritans. This is a first in this study to see this. Join us next week to learn more. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at our new address, https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot org. Please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen in unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. 
find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.